Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? Hey, boys. What's going on? Glad to be back in the thick of things, into March Madness. JR is a happy boy. Mr. Grumpy Webb, not so much. Uh, good season for the Hoyas. Just, well, I shouldn't say good season. Great Big East tournament for the Hoyas, and then not so much. So, good good on them. Good on Patrick Ewing. Glad to see him do well back again at the Garden. But uh, better luck next year, boys. Good luck to you, JR. Much as it pains me to say that. <laughs> Thank you, Webb. I appreciate that. Big weekend coming up late night tomorrow night, a 9.55 start. That's Holy a tough cow. start. I'm going to have to mix in a coffee in the evening or late evening at some point for that one. Uh, great to be back, everybody. Looking forward to today, of course, or this evening. I'm um, looking forward to the whole weekend coming up. Let's do this. Don't worry, JR. That 2-3 zone will put you to sleep fast enough. Yeah. I wore my I... extra shirt. Zip it over there. Shut up. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have figured it I would have figured that Jimmy Beheim would have put the kibosh on a late start. That's that's past Buddy's bedtime, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He'll have his glass of Yoo-Hoo first. <laughs> Buddy Beheim is Buddy Beheim right now in Syracuse can, can go walk into the War Memorial and get tickets for the rest of his life. Let's go that way, okay? That guy can do whatever he wants. Yeah, he gets, he's got prime seating at Dinosaur Barbecue, let's be honest. There you hey, go. He's nothing wrong with the Dinosaur Barbecue. Oh, there's not. Well, oh, this week, God. obviously, uh, you know, you can't you can't be in the middle of March Madness and not do a basketball movie. So this week, we're taking it to the hard court. And we're taking it back to the 80s with an all-time classic, Hoosiers. These six individuals... I've made a choice to work, a choice to sacrifice, put themselves on the line to represent you, this high school. This is your team. Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the championship game. You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? Younger. Most incredible and improbable confrontation. Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. In the illustrious history of the Indiana High School basketball tournament. That's a hell of a team you had there. You knew that team? I know everything there is to know about the greatest game ever invented. With a pint size hardly big enough for three syllables, Hickory Huskers enrollment 64. Out of here. Right now. You kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. Take on the defending state champions, the Mighty Bears of South Bend Central. Run you off the boards. You got to squeeze them back in the paint. Make them chuck it from the cheap seats. Already calling this the game of the century. I've seen them, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days. News people from all over the Middle West are here to witness Hoosierland's version of the Cinderella story. It's got to work out this time. Well, that's it for good. The starting lineup for the Huskers. Well, my boys only know basketball, farming, and school. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. You put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be. I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Let's win this and for 
all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. I love you guys. Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, Dennis Hopper, Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first. Well, you know the drill. Every week, got to crack an ice cold beer before we start our start our review. So, without further ado, let's jump into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, this week we're covering an iconic American movie, so we had to get an iconic American-style beer to go with it, and so that's why we're drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. Selected as America's best beer since 1893, Pabst Blue Ribbon, or as the hipsters in Brooklyn refer to it, PBR, is an American-style lager that is light and easy drinking. At 4.8%, it's perfect for you to have a few with the fellows on any occasion. Nature's choicest products provide its prized flavor as, only, as it only uses the finest hops and grains. Check out some of the great fan-inspired artwork as well as, uh, as get up-to-date information about their products and services by visiting papsblueribbon.com or by giving them a follow on all your favorite social media platforms. So go ahead, grab a Paps. As always, Big Luke Books reminds you to enjoy, please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. I think I should have a few more of these because that was the worst beer read I've done in a while. <laughs> it's all good, Webb. All good oh, to go. PBR. What do you think? Wow. What do you think? Of uh, I'd like a good PBR. I can tell you some good stories on PBR. It's a very classic one, and I know it's very Midwestern PBR. But my wife and I have fond moments and fond memories. You've heard me say already on here in Lake Placid, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the first town where I started drinking PBR in. At a place called Lisa G's. It's like a little bar in Lake Placid yeah. after skiing. You been there, Jamer? Oh, yeah. My uh, buddy Jay LaTulip got married down there a couple of years ago. And the first night that we went out, it was kind of not a rehearsal dinner, but it was like a pre-party or whatever. And it was, we rent, he rented out uh, Lisa G's and we had a nice party there. What a place. I ended up taking a digger over a stone wall and get, getting a nice shiner heading into the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a good night there. So I will say that is a fine establishment in Lake Placid. Uh, PBR at a place like Elisa G's after uh, skiing and shredding at, at Whiteface, as I say. That's kind of where I learned how to get down the hill yeah. on a snowboard live. So very good memories of this beer. Very like, yeah, it's just a beer. Just the yeah. kind of beer, shot, a shot and then a beer. One of those kind of ones, Jammer. You know what actually happened, uh, how I ended up taking a digger was... Uh, and uh, I had to get someone to explain this to me the next day, but uh, <laughs> we 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 were staying. That's why we have to always put in this. Please enjoy responsibly. Please enjoy responsibly. We were staying at this. Uh, I got an Airbnb down there just to, off the strip. It was a nice place, like an old kind of rustic yeah. style house. And uh, we had a bunch of us staying there. And we ended up getting an Uber home, and the Uber driver was moonlighting as like an MMA fighter or something. So he had his MMA wraps in the back seat on the floor. And apparently when I was shuffling oh, to get out of the Uber, I got tangled up in his MMA wraps. And I, when I went to take a step, once I got outside of it, I just, like my feet were together and I just 
Come on. Bigger, right, right into this like little half stone wall. <laughs> you should have went with the MMA guy punching me and yeah. went over and took a head out. You could have made that story way better. I'm not gonna way lie. Better. It been way better. I tripped getting a maneuver on the MMA guy. That's my, those are my PBR stories. Hey, that's why JR's got a better rating than you, Gamer. Fucking guy can't even get out of an Uber. Yeah, that's why my Uber rating's better than you. But I didn't because I didn't puke in the car. He gave me a he gave me a five. You know, he gave you five stars. Probably. Holy cow! Well, he would have he would have provided a laugh. It's true. It's true. Out of memory, guaranteed. He would probably have been pissed, though, because he would have had to wrap his wraps back up again. <laughs> that is true. Tommy Codlin. Tommy Codlin was moonlighting. Tommy Codlin. <laughs> it's been yeah. a tough sled for Tommy Codlin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, PBR, just your classic cheap American beer. It, I'm sure this one's going to come back to haunt me tomorrow morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts of PBR passed. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's fine for what it is like i said it's cheap american beer that's the way i look at it you don't just have irritable i don't have it no yeah i was gonna say i'm already i got irritable web syndrome all the time (laughs) yeah no it's fine i got nothing i got nothing negative or positive to say about it no all right so as we mentioned uh this week we're doing an old classic with uh 1986's hoosiers directed by david and spa Distributed in 86 uh, by Orion Pictures. Got a 7.5 rating on Internet Movie Database and an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget of only $6 million and grossed $28.6 million at the box office. Music by Jerry Goldsmith, starring Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, and Dennis Hopper. Quick movie synopsis. Norman Dale, a former college coach with a checkered past, gets a chance at redemption when he's hired to coach the high school basketball team in the tiny ha- town of Hickory, Indiana. Dale struggles to develop a winning team in the face of community criticism and the absence of the star player, Jimmy Chitwood. With the help of former basketball star turned town drunk, Wilbur Shooter Flatch, and the triumphant return of Chitwood, Dale leads the Hickory Huskers to an improbable state championship. Let's jump into our character review and let's start out with uh, our head coach, Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman. So, first of all, with the Gene Hackman, I like it. I like pretty much everything Gene Hackman does. There's something about him. I like the gruff, tough voice. I like yeah. the look of him. I like the body language that he possesses in roles. And this guy is meant to like the kind of roles to lead. He's all, he's either like a general or a colonel in like a war movie, or like, he's always in a, a role of like leadership of some sort. So I really appreciate him in that role. <clears throat> in this role, I thought he was cast pretty well. Um, I like the, he fits like the cliche of the tough, strong, uh, you know, no nonsense coach we've seen in lots of different movies we've already done. He fits into that. I like the emphasis, and I mean, Webb and Jamie, you guys can elaborate this on more. The emphasis on D, I thought that was pretty cool to see. Uh, in the era right now, we live in of looking real cool, as uh, the UConn women's coach talks about, in that idea of the team play. The past four times, it seems like, I don't know, maybe that's a lot of passes sometimes. It's not there or they're not used to it, but he's getting that idea of team first. So I think that's all really cool to see that he brings out. Um, I think that some of the ideas he has and some of the things, I'm not sure. There's a lot of skeletons in the closet with this guy, and I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And you can tell right away, you're like, there's, there's a lot, again, there's, there's some skeletons in the closet for this person. So those are the types of things I had. His pep rally speech was 
something. You know, this is your team at this point. I thought that was one of those things. And you could tell that he had seen and had been under much brighter lights than what he was in at this point. Um, only carrying this many players, I guess, doing what he has to do. I Okay. Uh, the idea of the physical assault, I don't know how cool that is. Uh, um, no. I feel like there was some Mike Babcock in him a little bit. Uh, I had that in there under his, some of the things. Uh, I had a couple other things, too, was uh, the <clears throat> the whole thing of a coach in a small town and not listening to the peanut gallery. I thought that was a pretty cool dynamic. Yeah. You know, kind of like the Coach Taylor, the Friday Night Lights. There's going to be the peanut gallery because basically this is the high school football of Indiana. In this case, it's basketball, obviously, but this is what they do. So everyone's coming to watch your practice. When he kicks them out of practice or has them removed, I think that's one of those things where you see somebody who's been in much bigger situation than this town start to really lead and see it's a true leadership and taking over a program from old Eddie Harris from uh, major league there. Okay. So those are some of the things I had on him. I, I, I don't know that laugh that Gene Hackman has is pretty smug. I don't know if you guys know what I mean. Sometimes he gives that little smug. I, I, he, to me, he was all over the place. I'm not going to lie. You could see that he wanted to do the greater good, but he had a tough past. He was pretty closed off about it. He went into the Navy for a while. Uh, the stuff that he started to do with Shooter, he, to me, Webb, he was all over the map as a character. I got to be honest. I, wasn't, I couldn't just pinpoint him. and say, I can't say he's a great guy. I can say he did a good job as a coach. Yeah. I can say he's a little bit of an asshole. Um, and he, he, I mean, a lot of the things you touched on already, so I won't spend too much time. I, I have down as a note, best thing about this guy is his sick jacket collection. Both yep. his P-coat and his leather jacket. Yeah. yeah. Um, he big times, he's a big, he's a big times the whole town to, yeah. to when he use one of your expressions here. Like, he's just, he comes in thinking like he's better than this place. And I thought Indiana was supposed to be all about this. So there's a little bit of like, yeah, good for you. You, you're, you've got a program and something that you, a vision, um, but at the same time, you got to work with the people there. And I, I kind of like, I kind of like his stubbornness, but I also think it gets him into trouble. Like the whole four passing thing, right? Like I just, I actually think that that's kind of, you're, you're trying to mold players to a system instead of working with what you, you've got. And I'm yeah. never a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, and so there were points, there were points there where I thought, you know, he was annoying. I thought his body language on the sideline as a coach was pathetic. Um, like just the flopping around and all this, and like, yeah, like they they give up a basket, and he's like, ah, like, come on, be yeah. better. It's like you're down four nothing in the beginning of the game. Like, relax. Um, so there were parts like that. I just like I didn't like how he was with, um, uh, whatever her name is. We're gonna talk about her cleaner. Um, like it's Mrs. Webster made a good point. She's like, you ever notice in like older movies like this, they always like grab the shoulders and like force themselves on women. I'm like. Yeah, actually, it's kind yeah. of weird. And he, like, it was just very awkward. I just, I don't know. I didn't like this guy. I didn't like this character. I know this this movie was uh, a highly requested one for uh, JR and I, especially. Uh, a lot of, lot of uh, I requests for this one. I, it's one of those ones I, I, I feel like I loved for a long time, and I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing what I loved about it as I get older. Yeah. But yeah, he, he was a character that I thought could have been a little bit he was he was relatable in the sense that he seems realistic, right? In that he's like a tragic 
case that you want to root for him, but you're not really sure why you want to root for him. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, and I agree with everything you said, Webb. And I just wanted to add in as well. Like, I don't like, and I know this is a different time. I know it's 1950s, and and it is what it is. But I don't like coaches that are so emotional when they're coaching and screaming and yelling. At, especially when you're coaching teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. They don't res- they don't respond well. They teenagers look to their leaders, like especially coaches, and they kind of feed off of their vibe. So. You know, I didn't like him as a coach that much, to be honest. I like what he did with uh, Shooter, trying to redeem, you know, and the lessons he was kind of trying to teach him and uh, working that relationship between Everett, his son, and Shooter. So that, that I you know, there's a lot of redeeming characteristics there, but uh, I didn't really like him that much as a character. And here's one thing I want to say about Gene Hackman. Like, you've made enough money. Can you not get a barber? Like, every movie he's in, he's got just the worth. Lit. No, he doesn't like, get his haircut. He doesn't trust the barber in the town. Why would he? I get wouldn't a either. That barber's got the worst haircut in the whole friggin' town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every movie Gene Hackman's in, though, like his sideburns start like at the top of his. He's head. got the Stan Butler sideburns. The oh, coach Stan God. Butler, <laughs> they're way up high. Take it, take it down, take it down to like a number two, too. Like seriously, yeah. don't we don't need that fluff? But um, yeah, let's so move one on thing I'll about, say. Sorry, Jamie. Oh, can I say one sorry. thing about him? Sorry, guys. The one thing I'll say, though, about him being, like, an asshole of a character, that town will run your show if you're not an asshole. I'll give him that. After we made that about that a little bit. Well, with the peanut gallery people, but I don't think he has to do it when he's behind closed doors with the kids. The kids immediately took to him. Like, other than, the, other than the one, the two kids that walked out early, but that one dad, and we'll talk about him later, kind of straightened that out. Yeah. But the rest of the kids, like, even when he was running them a little bit, they always just kind of look to him for direction. Yeah, and you're yeah. absolutely right on that. I'll you give know what that. I didn't find believable about him is uh, whatever it is, the last scene where he talks about how he loves him. And I'm like, you've just been like flat out berating and a jerk. Like, don't change. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they've responded. So, like, don't give me the, oh, I love you guys. Like, it just wasn't <laughs> believable. No. I'm like, just, you can say you're proud of them. You can say, like, I care. Like, I'm, I'm really proud of the accomplishment that we've come together as a team. Or but don't, it just seemed like a bold faced lie. Yeah. There was no authenticity into it to me. True. Yeah. Let's move on to Myra Fleener, played by Barbara Hershey. Uh, I thought she may have been the most one of the most important characters in the story. Um, I I don't know. I I I don't know what other people are thinking, but I wonder if she was a little bit underrated in this because you needed the strong female who was skeptical of the whole thing, who had some control and had some actual academics, wor- worried about academics and worried at the bigger picture for this Jimmy guy. And yeah. she saw more than just Hickory and high school at this point. She was kind of one of those characters to me who saw that. And I thought in a movie like this, when, you know, they're going to peak at 17, let's be real. They're going to peak at 17 oh, years God, old. Yeah. She no, was she trying did. to keep people not from peaking at 17 and said, okay, there's more to it than just the basketball court and Hickory, Indiana, or wherever they're living in the Huskers or whatever they're called. So yes. I thought she was really cool about that. I thought she did a great job. Her and Hackman, they seemed to have pretty good chemistry together in the roles. Um, but I liked how strong she was. She's I li- the and Tammy I Taylor. She's the Tammy Taylor. I saw some uh, parallels. She really was. And I, as an educator, I liked her value on just flat-out education. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the actual vehicle for you to get out of this Hickory place and yeah. go where you're going to go. And that's what I'm going to say about her, because I thought she was great. 
Yeah. I, I got nothing much to add. You kind of hit everything I, I was thinking. Strong and principled. She's your she's your consummate teacher, right? Always thinking about how education is really your way out. Um, yeah. And the only thing I had was she's a little bit bitter and jaded strictly for the fact that she did get out and yet she's now back, right? And she's yeah. back because she cares about the people in her life closer and, and she wants to do right by them. But, you know, you can tell that she didn't want to ever come back to this, to this place. So, yeah, I got nothing much to add. You kind of nailed everything there. Uh, the only thing I wanted to mention was uh, I found the relationship between her and um, Norman Dale, Gene Hackman, uh, creepy. I just felt like the age difference really showed. It was it wasn't like a natural. I felt like the actors, actor and the actress, maybe there was some friction off screen, but I just feel like they didn't have any spark. There wasn't any kind of like connection there. It just kind of was weird and forced. And did you? I liked how they seemed bitter. I liked I how know. they seemed kind of angry toward each other. I didn't mind that. I just feel I felt like there was no way that they were ever going to really come together. Like it didn't make sense for me when they did. I don't know. And even even her taking up for him in the town meeting. It, yeah. I, I, crying? All of a sudden she's crying? She was like angry. Yeah, it, it didn't really, it just didn't make sense to me. No, it was a little bit odd for me. Let's move on to uh, George Walker, played by Chelsea Ross, our boy Eddie Harris from Major League. <laughs> this guy's mouth made him millions. Just his yeah. mouth and his <laughs> facial expressions alone. There's something about horse that face. smug guy. Horse, he has yeah. a horse face. Yeah. A horse face. I literally have notes that facial expressions are great. And yeah. he's greasy and scummy. And he also does like a 180 as a character. Also, he's cheering on the team and going on. But those are holes in a movie that are going to be in sports movies. But like when he's chewing that gum and they're all oh, yours, coach, there's just something that he always sounds like a low level Bond villain sometimes. The yeah. way he just does things. I thought he was great. Again, just that horse face, that smug <laughs> grin web. I just want to slap him up your butt, Joe Boo. I literally, every time I see him, I think that. Go ahead, Webb. He's a pissant. I've got no time for him in anything he does. I hate this guy. Like, what a passion. I just want to punch him in the teeth. He's just like, <laughs> like, you just want to knock him out. Oh, seriously. I got, I got no time for horse face. James, it's all you. Um, I don't have much to add. I just wanted to say, like, I just wanted to make a uh, mention that he was also, this is a David Anspa movie written by Angelo Pizzo, and they were the two that teamed up on Rudy. And Chelsea Ross plays um, Coach Dan Devine, Rudy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to make that connection there. Uh, let's move on to Wilbur Shooter Flatch, played by Dennis Hopper, legendary Dennis Hopper. Yeah, R.I.P. Dennis that. Hopper. Yeah, R.I.P. It was great to just see him again in roles. Literally the whole role, I enjoyed every scene he had because I just it was nice to see Dennis Hopper again. And I hadn't seen yes. him in a role. I haven't watched a Dennis Hopper movie in a while, so I loved all that about him. Shooter the character. Um, I thought that line of, I'm going to mention like a line of 33. He's the epitome of the guy who peaked at 17. And this is what Barbara Hershey's trying you to not become. And I thought, I was thought of him the whole time during that. And I thought he did a really good job of being that person who peaked so young and holding on to 33 or whatever. He, you know, he's talking about 1933. Um, obviously he was kind of almost of a savant in a way. Um, I thought the scenes where he was kind of going through the, you know, detox or he was, getting, he was going through the withdrawals, those were pretty good. And they were very real. Yeah. And the relationship with his son and things like that. I thought Hopper just did a great job. And it was neat to see. I mean, when he's cleaned up and he comes out on the bench. And I actually like the scene. One of my favorite scenes might be where he actually comes around on the bench and mm -hmm. 
he's that sick point. suit. Great suit, ready to rock, and he's on point, and he <laughs> gives the right instructions. He did a great job, and it was just good to see Dennis Hopper another role. Up, yeah, I think I think the thing that's kind of neat about this movie, and when I think of it now, a lot of, a lot of basketball specific movies is there's always an element of like. Um, I don't even know how, like a dark element to the movies, right? And there's always something that kind of like keeps your interest away from basketball, and you're always like, oh, like that's kind of weird. Like, a, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like a, an underbelly type of element to it. So, like, his, his having this like uh, alcohol addiction problem, right? And some kind of like mental health issue going on, obviously, as well, that's kind of led him to this point. Um, he's your cautionary tale, and then there's a, but there's a, every basketball movie that we seem to do. There's always some kind of like I, I don't know how to describe it, like a darker element to them, like a grimier something that's tan- tangible to kind of like sink like your teeth into it, kind of thing, like like Shep yeah, like Chef, and like and like that, like, the, uh, like that drug scene, and 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 in like he got game. There's like the uh, the stuff with like the. Uh, Oh, what's the guy with the, the convertible? I'm drawing a blank here. My memory shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just like yeah. the recruiting violations, and there's always some. There's a little bit more like seediness in in basketball movies for some reason. Um, which this movie you don't necessarily kind of expect to get that because you're like, oh, I'm downhill on the farm. Like it's all like corn pole, and like everybody else is just hanging out, and all of a sudden you get this like storyline where this guy is like this drunk cautionary tale he's got mental health issues he's living on his own in like the forest in this dilapidated shack and you never really kind of figure out what he's going through and, and there's some like darkness to it yeah um and and i think that's kind of their grittiness and it brings brings something real to this movie for me and that's i i really appreciated the storyline of him just for that um in terms of dennis hopper i mean it's dennis hopper the guy's what would you do, Apple? What would you do? Like, I, 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 he's my favorite character in a lot of things. So, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. I don't know. I kind of went off on a weird tangent there, but I don't know if I was making sense. But uh, yeah, it's just something, yeah, it makes sense. something, something there that it, it's kind of sparks in, in other basketball movies. I think in particular that we don't necessarily get in a lot of the other sports. Movies. Yeah. So no, I. No, I love uh, I love Dennis Hopper. He's a great actor. He actually was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor for an Oscar for this movie in in 1986. And to me, if he's if you don't have uh, Wilbur Shooter Flatch in this movie, you don't have Dennis Hopper's character in this movie. This is just like a really boring movie that you're not gonna. It's not gonna put a blip on the radar. You're never gonna hear about it. It's you know what I mean. It, it gives some validity and some realism to the story. And if you think about it, because he used to be a, a star on the on the Hickory basketball team back in the day. They, they kind of allude to that. Um, so he's the cautionary tale. He's the guy that this is what happens when you have when you don't have what Barbara Hershey's character is trying to say. You don't have the education to get you, uh, you know, onto another path. If you peak at 17, as they say. This is the cautionary tale. You're going to live with light, lifelong regrets and depression and whatever it may be, and this could be your spiraling path. So that's kind of the warning sign and the reason why, you know, Barbara Hershey's character is trying to trying to get these kids set up for success down the road. Mm-hmm. But do you not think it would have been sorry? Do you not think it would have been maybe it would have been too cliche? But instead of like the whole Jimmy Chitwood angle, and maybe this is a nice segue into that character. I don't know. Was he who? Yeah. 
But, like, do they not think that they should have maybe made uh, uh, Hopper's kid more of, like, an actual, like, I'll say the star player? Like, the great. To kind of, like, to kind of, like, yeah. make it more rounded. Like, I, I that's what I... I mean, the Jimmy Chitwood piece aside, I don't really fully understand that angle either. And I'm he's he's a strange... That, but... I think you're 100% onto it, Webb, there. I think you're 100% right. If you make Jimmy Chitwood his kid, now you have a reason for Jimmy to be so despondent and, you know, aloof and being kind of standing off from basketball because he knows what it did to his father. And, you know what I mean? And, and then that would be the reason uh, Myra is grabbing onto Jimmy to try to guide him in another path because she doesn't want him to go down that path. That's a perfect point, Webb. That would have been a great way to write that character. Well, and I know that Jimmy's like, you know, he's got obviously his, his, his mom dies or his parents die and then the coach was like a surrogate dad. Like, there's a, that little bit of an explanation to it. Yeah. It just, it, it was always bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes into this, yeah, where, do you want to just jump into Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's jump I mean, into Jimmy. Go ahead and kick off with Jimmy. Yeah, it's one of those things. I same idea. Um, basically, all those things too. Boys, where it's kind of like I don't really follow Jimmy. Like I get what he does. You need the star player. I get all that. Yeah. He can shoot. He can hoop, as the uh, <laughs> last chance you says. Um, he can do all those things. He's a hooper. But yeah, he didn't. I found the same things you guys did. Where I'm like, there's a lot of holes to this character, and the tie-in to Shooter would have made way more sense. Where it'd be like. You know, my dad, look who he was. And the shooter parallel I have, again, another Friday Night Lakes, like the Tim Riggins, where you're like, this guy's a mess. So 100%, you start yeah. to see some of the some of the parallels there that we talk, you talked about earlier with Tammy Taylor. And you start to see that with Jimmy. I have a couple things that he does provide some of the damaged goods for the show. You can see a little bit of the damaged goods. Um, that's kind of the same thing I had. I'm like, okay, he's the star you're trying to get, I guess. Um, I feel like Seinfeld probably made fun of his character with Jimmy with the shoes. Remember Jim, <laughs> Jimmy with the fancy shoes in the locker room where he wears the big shoes. He's trying to get his calves and dunk. I literally feel like Jerry Steinfeld used Jimmy in that reason. And the first thing I remember, I was like, oh, yeah. Jimmy, I'm like, they'll use this 100% to make fun of this character. So yeah, I didn't funny. have much on him. And I didn't like Jimmy. I'm like, just play the game and man up. Let's go. I'm sorry. That's that was literally my thing with Jimmy. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I'm sorry, Hoosiers. Some of the people a lot don't of, like me. Not a lot of acting in that role. Play. Yeah, just go play. Be quiet. The thing that I thought was weird, right? Uh, the story is kind of like you're supposed to have this like referendum moment on on the coach, really, right? Like we're supposed to as an audience. At least I, this is what I thought we were supposed to feel. Anyway, that we're supposed to like get on board with the, the the coach and that the coach is the one that turns his team around and that the, the, the city or the town is all going to like fall in love with this coach and they have, and really the city, the town still hates the coach. It's just that Jimmy comes back and yeah. starts to play yeah. and Jimmy's going to play for this coach. And I still don't understand why Jimmy wants to play for this coach because he's basically just come and said, you, I don't care if you play or not like that doesn't really make sense. I don't know. There's a lot of holes with his character and, and that storyline that I never to this day can't seem to pick up on and like watching it again last time like this still doesn't make sense to me. Um, there was no I time missed, invested on this guy. It, for somebody who's supposed to be the star player, no. It, and like, you know, who's somebody who's going to be such a game changer, it just it was a weird weird angle. I never understood it. 
I think uh, like the person who plays Jimmy Chitwood is uh, Maris Villanus. He's not actually an actor. So when they were, and I'll get onto it a little bit later when we talk about little known facts, but they brought like a thousand kids to out to try out or whatever it was for different roles in the movie. And all these kids, they weren't actors. They were just like high school basketball players or whatever. And uh, this this guy, Maris Villanus, who ended up getting the role of Jimmy, like he's not an actor. So that's why he literally only has like three lines in the whole movie. Like I think he has he has a line at the end where he says, I'll make the shot. Like, and he has a couple other like rinky dink lines throughout it. So he's just this like, bro- like not even brooding character. He's just this character. Just he's like a mute that walks through the whole movie. That you just see him standing in the corner with his comb over haircut, making hoops. You know, like <laughs> there's not a lot to Jimmy. And as you said, like we're, the whole storyline about how they were about to oust the coach, like the the vote was there. Like he was gone. Well, Jimmy's gonna play. And he'll only play if this coach sticks around. I don't know why Jimmy wants him, like you said, Webb. And then, really, nobody's behind the coach. They're behind Jimmy. Whatever Jimmy says, Jim, the town yeah. does. Jimmy yeah. says this, that's what the town does. And then, Isn't that like pure small-town America? Like, just oh, cheering yeah. for, like, the star wants this Lance guy. He's, seven, he's Lance Harbour. He's 17. Lance he's Harper, running yeah. the show. Oh, 100%. And, it's, and then not only that, like, after Jimmy joins the team, the... Uh, Coach Dale gets kicked out of like two games for just blowing up for no reason. Like it's stupid <laughs> stuff, right? Um, True. I don't know. Are there any other characters you want to touch on? Uh, I had uh, Opal. I thought Opal was pretty fun. Yeah, she's cool. she was she was super cool. I really enjoyed her. Yeah. And the other one I had was uh, Shooter's son. I think it was Everett. Everett was his name. Everett. I thought he did a good job too. He you know what I recognized that. him from? I was trying to put my finger on it. He was in uh, Bull Durham. He plays, uh, yes. he plays the guy, the married guy. Um, yes. And he gets cut and like, he's like, oh, I hit the ball real solid this week. You know, he's one of the guys that gets cut halfway through the movie. Who are you? I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> that was his line. Yeah, That's those are a couple ones I had. I had, I actually had Raid. Raid is my like, Raid is the best player on the team, hands down. I don't care what anybody says about Jimmy yeah. Chitwood. Jimmy Chitwood might be the best scorer, but Raid and the uh, the guy who's, I guess, the point guard are the two best players on the team. Raid's got like Steph Curry range, yeah, uh, just, like <laughs> pulling off from inside the logo on their twelve foot court. Uh, and Drain, I was gonna say they're fresh Prince Jim. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's got like a running three point floater. Uh, he just like <laughs> gets to the three point line and then throws up a floater shot. Pretty awesome. And he's kind of yeah. like the leader. Yes, he's the emotional leader. If nothing else, yeah. he gets them all fired up. Like I don't know, he's. Feisty, feisty. Yeah, like I, I like him. I got time for that guy. I don't. He's care my he favorite says. player in the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. He throws a punch in the in the brawl. Yeah, yeah. he goes. I got him good. <laughs> that's when they became a team. That's yes. when they became a team, right there. That, that's huh. it. Totally He's a glue guy. Yeah. He's a glue guy. Yeah. Him and Ollie. Ollie, Ollie with the granny shots. Rick Barish. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's jump into quotes. Uh, any quotes in this movie? I know there's not a lot of like knock you sure. over lines, but do you have any? I had uh, yeah, I had a couple from the coach. Um, who was the guy who said all the prayers? What was his Straps. name? Again? Strap. Strap. Uh, God wants you on the floor. Yeah, I thought that was I like that one. I had a good one on there, and make it make it and, a good one. Strap. Yeah, <laughs> and when. Um, 
he go he goes to shooter's house for the first time. This is my Dama style. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I don't know why. I that was funny to me. Those are the main ones I had, guys. It's a good word. Domicile is a really like underappreciated, yeah. underused word. How bad was that? How was my god? Oh, might be a little drafty in the winter. <laughs> he goes, this might find a, a family of winter. raccoons living in it. <laughs> uh, mine were like, I had a couple good. My, all of them were like Gene Hackman ones. So, yeah. Uh, real friendly town you got here. That kind of made me laugh just because nobody acknowledged him there. Uh, my practices aren't designed for your enjoyment. I had a pretty good chuckle now. Uh, I'm going to break them down, build them back up. Uh, Hillbilly Justice, when he's yelling at the referee, that was pretty funny. That was good. I was, uh, stick to him like chewing gum. By the end of the game, I want to know what flavor he is. And he looks down the bench at him. Well, he's like, he's dentine. <laughs> that was pretty good. But uh, yeah, and then the strap ones are pretty good. Yeah, they're he's good. Talking about, he's talking about painting the bus in different colors. That was pretty good. That was funny. I like the one where uh, he basically tells um, George Walker, which is like Chelsea Ross, um, you're not going to coach. You're not. You're not involved in coaching this team anymore. And then he and then he like has this tantrum and basically tells him tells him off. And then as he's walking out, he's got the ball and. Uh, Gene Hackman says to him, leave the ball, will you, George? <laughs> Just like yeah. a great, like, lucky moment. Um, let's jump into little known facts. So, uh, just, to, just to start off, a Hoosier is defined as someone who was born in Indiana or lives there. So, the actual movie Hoosiers was inspired by the 1954 Indiana State High School champions, the Milan Indians. There were several cameos in the movie by the members of the 1954 team. So that's kind of cool. They were able to do that. Yeah, very neat. Tom Abernathy was a technical consultant on the film. Abernathy is a member of the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame. He was a national. Uh, he won the national championship in 1976 with the Indiana Hoosiers and played seven seasons in the NBA with the Lakers, Warriors, and Pacers. So, it's, as always, when we talk about these movies, it's always much better when you have somebody. Um, you know, an expert that can can be a technical consultant on the film. So, I think there you can see it kind of shine through a little bit in this movie. That I don't, you'd have more knowledge of that web for sure, but it seemed like there was some, you know, there yeah, was good. There's a lot of good motion in it. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to look at it with like today's right. They were basing it on the '50s style too. Yeah, like yeah, thing. yeah. But I uh, thought they did a good job. So as I mentioned earlier, Angelo Pizzo wrote the film. He also wrote Rudy. David Anspaugh, the director and film composer, Jerry Goldsmith, also teamed up with Pizzo on Rudy as well. So there was a big connection there, uh, a big Rudy connection. So of the eight young men cast as team members, Maris Villanus, who plays Jimmy Chitwood, was one of two who had never played high school basketball. Villanus was an Indiana All-State golfer in high school, earning a scholarship to Purdue University. After giving up on acting, he began a career on golf course management, including working as a caddy for professional golfers. So I thought that was kind of weird. Of all the players, they could have they stuck him in the role of Jimmy. I guess maybe because Jimmy didn't have any lines, but I don't know if Jimmy was written that way or if they just decided because Maris Villanus wasn't an actual actor or a great actor at all. Yeah, that's really strange. He's got a pretty nice stroke, though. Like he's a yeah. believable basketball player. When he, his form's yeah, really he's, nice. His elbows are tightened in. Like he releases. He's he's got the hand in the cookie jar. Like he's got a nice like traditional jump shot. 
I wonder, I wonder if that's from like, and I want to say just because of his ball, a uh, golf background in the sense that the mindset of a golfer is repeatable motion, right? Like you want to have, you yep. want to have muscle memory, that repeatable motion. So I wonder if like, there was just something, obviously he played kick around basketball cause you don't just show up and all of a sudden be able to shoot like that. So yeah. Interesting. So in the scene where Jimmy t- makes the final shot of the state championship game, Valenus uh, was told that whether he made the shot or not, the fans were going to rush the floor because we need we need it for a wide shot of the court. Luckily, he made it on the first take, and then he and when they did a second take, he he hit that shot as well. Um, so yeah, like you said, he's got a nice stroke, and like he can he can definitely shoot it. In the scene uh, uh, where uh, Jimmy and Coach Dale are talking while Jimmy's shooting the baskets on that dirt court, the dirt court, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So they they filmed that in one take. So Valena said that he was he wasn't even listening to Gene Hackman because he didn't have a line in that scene anyway. All he was doing was just concentrating on making shots. And that scene, I don't know if you noticed it, but he made every single shot except the very last one. Yeah. And apparently that wasn't that. even written in there that he was supposed to miss the last one. But but it was I thought it was really fitting because what Gene Hackman said to him on that on the last one was basically like I don't care if if you play or not, and then kind of walked off and then Jimmy missed the shot. So to me, it was like, you know, that hit to me, it was like, Jimmy was this stoic character and that him missing that shot really set, like really hit home somewhere. And that made him distracted. So he missed the shot, but he hit like, I want to say like 10 or 11 shots in a row before that from different spots. Yeah, it was, it was the, it was the, maybe that's, and maybe that's the whole reason he stands up for him, right? Like he gives them the, this guy actually doesn't want to blow smoke up my ass. He just wants to actually get help me get better, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So Steve Holler, uh, who played Raid Butcher, he, uh, he actually won an Indiana State High School championship as a junior at Warsaw High School. Holler was a member of the DePaul University basketball team when uh, Hoosiers was filmed in 1985. And because NCAA rules prohibit athletes from being paid for playing during uh, during their college eligibility, Holler was suspended for three games in November 1986, shortly after the movie's oh uh, world premiere. Such scumbag rules. Come eh? on. <laughs> Come on. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. my gosh. But it but speaks to your, uh, to your eye web about seeing Raid and being like, hey, that guy was the best basketball player in the movie. He was like, mm. he was the legit best player they had uh, from a actor standpoint. Uh, he was believable because, like, the one thing that stuck out to me when, and I don't know if they had written it this way or choreographed or whatever, one of the very first kind of wide shot scenes they do of the actual basketball game, he makes a pass, and he's the only one that after he makes a pass, he cuts to the basket. Oh, and okay. I'm like, that's just basic, fundamental, like, you taught that, like, as soon as you go, you make a cut to the back. It'd be like hockey, I would imagine. You, like, you make a pass, and then you circle into the slot, right, looking for a yep. pass back, maybe, or something like that. same kind of idea. Makes sense, for sure. Uh, so, pretty cool thing about him. So, he, he ended up appearing in three, like, he wasn't an actor. He came out for this because they needed some basketball players, right? So he ended up appearing in three films, though, and he used the earnings from uh, the films that he appeared in to pay for dental school, and today works as a dentist in Warsaw, Indiana, his hometown. Good, he can get his boy Horseface a good discount. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea, get there. Chelsea, get braces. Get him Chelsea braces. some veneers. Get him some veneers. And then drink some red wine to calm those things, white things down, and get them into normal. 
This is hilarious. So for the scene where Dennis Hopper stumbles onto the court drunk during the sectional game, Dennis Hopper wanted a 10 second notice before the director called action. He spun around for 10 seconds. And then when they said action, he, he stopped spinning That's around awesome. and, and walked onto the court. That's awesome. That's how you win an Oscar right there. That's great. <laughs> Make yourself. Only thing, only thing would have been better if you said he like slugged like a, you know, a two four or something that they hammered it. <laughs> yeah. And then went out. Yeah. Um, so writer, uh, producer, Angelo Pizzo described how Gene Hackman caused problems during the filming saying when he arrived, he was in a generally foul mood. We called him the black cloud. He started complaining about everything. There were some blow-ups on the set, some throwing of jackets, some near fist fights. There were all sorts of drama on the set. Then Dennis Hopper arrived three weeks into shooting, and he settled Gene down. During the uh, happy montage of Hickory winning a string of games, uh, Gene Hackman is shown saying something to shooter uh, Dennis Hopper on the bench that made uh, Hopper laugh. It wasn't until years later that David Anspaugh learned what Dennis Hopper was laughing at. So Gene Hackman leaned over to him and said, Hopper, I hope you've invested well because you and I are never going to work after this movie. This is a career-ending film for both of us. <laughs> uh, Gene Hackman just, he didn't, he didn't like this movie at all. He, he thought it was a huge mistake that he took it. He was just pissed off the entire time he was there, apparently. Um, originally, they had Jack Nicholson. Uh, uh, he, or sorry, Jack Nicholson originally wanted to play Coach Norman Dale, and they were looking at casting him as as Coach Dale. But he was serving as a witness in a lawsuit, which sidelined him for six months. After the film came out, Nicholson said to David Anspaugh that the movie and its stars were good, but it would have been a mega hit if he'd been the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did a little uh, veiled shot at Gene Hackman there. Well, there might have been some truth to it. I mean, I can't. If yeah. the guy hated being there that much, too, right? Yeah. Like maybe that's true. Maybe that's why. Like, and and I like you. Like we said earlier, I, I don't know. I just didn't. I like Gene Hackman as an actor, but I don't know. He just nope. there was something about it. Yeah, there was something about it. Maybe that makes sense. Although I feel like Jack Nicholson would have been way too cool for that role. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty cool for small-town Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, he's too, believable. he's too Hollywood for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, in the original script, uh, Shooter leaves rehab to attend the state championship game. Dennis Hopper, who had just gotten sober, thought that this plot point was detrimental to the story. So he said to David Anspaugh, we sat down over coffee and uh, Dennis Hopper said, guys... I wish I'd brought this up earlier. I knew there was something that bothered me about this this scene. It's not going to work. It it can't happen. Uh, it would suggest that Shooter didn't take his sobriety seriously, and I know from experience that Shooter made a real commitment, and there's no way he would leave the hospital. And Angelo and I had been living in uh, with that scene in our heads for years, and we really argued against cutting it, but Dennis said, no, trust me, I've been there. So we trusted him, and it, he was absolutely right. It worked well. So. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, I think, earlier, JR, that, um, you know, he kind of, the whole point of him being in rehab and how they did it, like, he nailed that whole piece. And obviously, it lends to the fact that he'd just gone through that. So he had he had the wherewithal or the expertise to say, that's not how it's going to work, right, the way they had it written earlier. So uh, it's always nice when you see someone that can bring that experience to it. So this movie's ranked number four on the American Institute's list of ten greatest films in the genre of sports, which came out in June 2008. Interesting. Wow. 
Let's a jump. A lot in. of movies come out since 2008. Yeah, that's true. Let's jump into our realism review. What do you find realistic, and what was unrealistic about this movie? All right. Well, I'm going to leave the basketball stuff more in your end. I'm going to go on like some of the social stuff I had. So mm-hmm. I had the real part, the middle America at the first, the opening scene, how real that was, like very the rural agrarian, I guess I would say too. Like that very rural look of it. Um, the look and feel of the towns. Um, calling a high school hickory seems a little cliche. Like, of course, like hickory, trying to do that whole hick thing and like just the whole rural idea. Teaching history and civics as your basketball coach. Those classes are not the hardest ones to teach. I'm sorry. Um, they're not. So I guess those are the easier ones sometimes. Um, the fresh, or sorry, the uh, the small town intensity in regards to a high school sport. Yep. Um, I had the old men yelling shoot all the time. I just remember <laughs> in the hockey days, there's always somebody yelling shoot from the stands. As soon as you're on a power play, as soon as you get it, people just start yelling, shoot it. You're like, hang on, hang on. You're like hang breaking, on. For, you're breaking it out from your own end and they're yelling, shoot it. You're like, oh, yeah. And I thought of you literally just got the breakout path. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I equated that sort of hot here. Like you just always, someone's always yelling, shoot. You're like, I'm crossing the red. Hang on for a second. <laughs> um, those are some of the things I had. I, we talked about shooter detox thing. Uh, Fake, I had the Fresh Prince size gym from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It looked like Marcus Stokes and Will Smith running around out Marcus there. Stokes. Yeah. Um, so uh, the one thing I was going to ask was, and I remember this, is the warm-ups. It seemed like they warmed up in the wrong end. Like they warmed up in the end that their bench was in. I basketball, it was just a warm-up in the bench that like, you wore up opposite. Yeah. They were warming up in the wrong ends. I, know, I remember that right away. And the players, like, some of the players that looked like they were going through the motions on a few of the plays, um, the actors that they weren't trying too hard. Webb, I'm going to kind of leave it open to you on that one. So, yeah. Uh, okay, what I had. We talked about Jimmy's stroke being pretty nice, uh, you know, pretty classic, keeping your elbows in, finishing. Uh, the conversation man to man versus zone defense in the barbershop, I found that kind of comical. I like the idea of the, the barbershop being the, like, the, the go to place to be. Like, that's totally realistic for me. Uh, the classic conditioning drills, right? The passing, the footwork, shuttle runs, those kinds of things. Uh, what else did I have? Uh, oh, I, this one I actually had to look up. The electronic scoreboard. Apparently, I wondered come, that too. Apparently didn't come into play till the late 1950s. So that may have been a little bit ahead of time. Ooh, I don't think they'd yeah. have one in old Deerlick. That's the first gym that we see it in. Right. right. I didn't know to that, Web. Yeah. And if we did, they would have like massive cords and cables hanging down from them. It wouldn't be wireless, <laughs> that's for sure. Good pickup. Good We're pickup. using some wattage uh, on those things. The other thing that I thought was kind of neat here, um, the nod to the barbershop quartet. Love that. That was kind of a little nice, little touch yep. there. Um, okay, in terms of basketball, actually pretty good. Uh, a lot of motion, a lot of good cuts. Uh, looked like they, they choreographed that pretty well. Um, the only thing I had that was like totally unrealistic, um, two, well, two things, two, three things, not letting raid go back out into that game when you're down a man, that's never going to happen. You're not willingly going to lose. And I don't care what kind of message you're trying to send. You're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then an actual punch being landed in a basketball fight. That's never going to happen either. You're going to win. And I don't care if it's high school or not. It just doesn't happen. There's a lot of shoving. There's a lot of, but there's never any actual fist to fuck face. 
it just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I, I just had a couple of small ones. I think you guys nailed pretty much everything. I was trying, I was like trying really hard to find things that, you know, were out of, out of the times, right? Because they shot this movie in 86, but it was based on 50, 51, I think. And so I let, they were wearing those black converse and i'm like okay but i actually researched the converse of the times and that's what they were they actually nailed yeah. the converse shoes and um there was another thing too was the the granny shot when uh um what's his ollie name on the line. Ollie. ollie's taking the granny shot on the line and like nobody's really making a face or anything he's just he's just they're they're just treating it like business as usual well i looked it up the granny shot was actually a common thing back then yeah. In uh, not only in, like in a, at high levels as well, like you know, Hall of Famer Rick Barry that played in the NBA a long time. He's the is he the dad of Brett Barry and yeah, yeah, he is right. So he's a, he's a Hall of Famer and he actually used the granny shot in the NBA from the foul. He's got one of the and he's, I think I'd have to look it up to see the exact. He's got one of the highest free throw setting yeah free throw set percentage shooting from. Granny shots of all time. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool how they had it in the movie because, like us at our times, we're like, "What's going on? Like taking a granny shot?" But that's well, you do when you're small because you have no muscle strength. You have to actually <laughs> yeah. heave the ball up there. It's that's true. true. Um, Very and true. I like the fact that also, like, obviously, they didn't have the three point line because that wasn't a thing. So yeah, it was pretty well. Oh, one, about- one, one last so- thing I wanted to mention was uh, so remember when they play the last team, South Bend. Yeah. And they're, they're they have like it's a integrated team. So I yeah. wanted to check that up. And Indiana actually integrated their high schools in 1949. So that's legit. South Bend would have had an integrated team, or you okay. would some of those bigger towns would have had a, an integrated team. That's the one thing I did find somewhat unrealistic, though. A team maybe that not a style bro. that style of play, and back then, right? Like you would rely on big men way more than you like you think back to like russell and chamberlain yeah. and, like all those the pros right like the big man was like the ice so <clears throat> it's a two point your biggest shot's a two-point shot so you're trying to yeah. get high percentage two-point shots that's right so like this the centerpiece would be your your big your big size right and so yeah. that south bend team like they made this huge deal about how tall they were and how big they all were right it's just I don't know. Again, that was one of those ones. I'm like, you're not. They're not losing to Hickory. I'm sorry. They're no, just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not. They were, way better. they were way better than Hickory. Yeah, for sure. One other thing I wanted to mention, boys, about fake might be the clothing that the refs wore. Did refs back in the day dress like that? Yeah, I, wrong? I, 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 I looked. I looked it up. Oh my! I was word. uniform from the times. That's because oh. it was an awful uniform. But that's what they wore. Yeah. Okay. A long sleeve pirate shirt from Steinfeld. Yeah. And with some 501 Levi's, it looked like on. Oh, like, cotton fly tight. They looked like they had prison pants on. <laughs> so I just laughed when I saw the whole thing. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Uh, All right, yeah, I didn't know. I was wondering on that one. I'm not going to lie to you, listeners. I have no clue. So just uh, let's jump in the soundtrack. Quick notes. Music was by uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who also did Rudy. Uh, he's also done uh, all five star. He's done five Star Trek films. Rambo franchise, Planet of the Apes, Patton, Gremlins, Total Recall, Air Force One. He's got a big slate of movies. He's been nominated for six Grammys, five Emmys, nine Golden Globes, and 18 Academy Awards. Um, there wasn't a lot to do with the soundtrack. It was kind of like Rudy and where it's kind of like just an, like a musical interlude of kind of a running theme of 
orchestra orchestra type music yeah. i mean it does its theme when you hear the theme you're like okay it rings with you like kind of like with rudy you know the rudy theme this one ha- kind of has a memorable theme i found but yeah good enough it was fine with me and you know what if this guy's done all the rambos he's good enough for me <laughs> so, great soundtrack all good i hate the soundtrack i think it's corny i think it's way too loud like in terms of how they actually like use it i don't know who's like yeah. the, uh, the final mix it's just so much louder than it needs to be over like action and this movie has way too many montage scenes like does, way yeah. too many montage scenes they're <laughs> awful mrs webster, them. mrs webster actually brought that but i'm like yeah you're right this is awful it's because they're in hickory and there's no storyline so i was gonna say there's nothing to talk about <laughs> but how are you not gonna get some kind of like i mean like i'm we obviously talked about this before like movies that have more pop music in them are popular like music that people actually listen to and yeah. not movie scores right like they're easier to dig into and get into it a little bit more. Th- How are you I not going to have like Chuck Berry or something? I think this was before yeah. when they really started in uh, putting in kind of popular music into movies. Like this was like '86, right? If you think of movies after uh, that, Back to the Future had like Huey Lewis and stuff in '85. Was that '85? Yeah, and Neil Young's '86. Yeah, I guess that's true. I see what but, you're saying, though, Jamer. Like, yeah, I get it. I get what you mean. It wasn't their budget. It could be a budget thing with them too. Totally, right? it could be a budget thing. Yeah, they probably spent their wad on on uh, Hopper, and Hackman. Hopper and Hackman alone. Yeah, yeah. Barbara Hershey. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Where does this movie rank among all-time basketball movies? Where do you have it among all-time sports movies? Basketball movies, I have to put in the top ten somewhere. All time sports movies, oh boy, uh, maybe in the top eighty. I'll watch it again at some point. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I, it's not the highest of me for me. Um, but as, as far as a basketball movie, I feel like it's a basketball movie that you have to recognize, and you always have yep. to recognize when you talk about it. Someone's going to mention Hoosiers. It's one of the OGs. You know. It's an OG. Someone's going to mention Hoosiers, Mike Mews. And so... <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's where I have it. It's I won't watch it for a good long time. I'm not going to lie. It's an iconic basketball movie. Uh, it's an iconic movie for people of a certain age demographic, too. A little bit older than us, I would say. Yep. It's like, yeah. you know, that, that age group, um, they remember it from their childhood, similar to how we yeah. remember it from our childhood, right? And, and so I, I understand. The rim. It, yeah, yes. in a lot of ways, yeah. Uh, and so I get it. And like you said, it's one of the, it's an iconic basketball movie. It's probably one of the very first ones I remember ever seeing as a kid. Um, and so there's a certain nostalgia to it that I even still to this day love. Like, I, we've talked about this when we've done movies like... Uh, a League of Their Own, and yep. even Bull Durham. Like, there's something about that time period. It's just life is so much more simpler. Like, the cars in this movie. We didn't even get into the cars in this movie, but, like, yeah. just, like, that time frame, there's something way more. It's the it's the glory years after the war, right? The 50s, like, everything, the golden years, everything's going. So, yeah. um, for that reason alone, you know, I, I will keep it out of my top 10 for basketball. I think it's probably at 11. Um, all time. 55 to 60 range maybe yep. a little bit higher into the 70 75 range but i'd say for sure basketball it's outside of my top 10 but just barely outside my top 10 yeah i've got it at six on basketball and 45 all time 
and I'm torn on torn on things because it, the only reason it's as high as it is as it is for me, I find it to be mostly a boring movie, but it has a lot of uh, significance in uh, everything you just mentioned, Webb, with it being kind of like one of the old the OG movies for basketball. And in the sports genre as well, like you've got a he- some heavy hitting actors and actresses, and it's like Barbara Hershey's mm. big time, Gene Hackman, Dennis. Love anything with Dennis Hopper. Like we've got some, and you know what? The basketball mm. scenes are good. They nail a lot of things, as we said in our real. There's not really a lot of things in this movie that were unrealistic. Like it was a really well done movie in that way. Uh, it's all everybody loves redemption stories. It's a story of redemption, even if it's not 100 percent the way we we would have maybe liked to have seen it go, but. And there's a lot of movies that stole stuff from this movie, like yeah, you it's think, and, it's not, and not necessarily stole it, but it's like, well, we've seen that before. We saw it in Hoosiers, like Coach Carter. There's a lot of stuff we saw in Hoosiers with the way back, the Ben Affleck one. There's a ton of stuff we saw in Hoosiers. Like it's, it kind of was one of those ones that was a you know ahead of the ahead of the t- of the curve. It's it's just one of those things where I think for me, and and, and I mentioned this. I don't know if I was mentioning you today or not, Jar. I find the more now I watch a lot of these movies, that rewatch them again that we watched when we were younger, right? You just start to realize the movies of a certain time frame, that like mid to late 80s to early 90s movies, there's just a lot of bad writing. And I don't know if it's what, I don't know if it's actually bad writing or it's writing today and writing, we're so used to like seeing good writing now. And I don't even mean in movies, I mean, in like one hour TV shows, like you think right. of anything that HBO puts out, you're like, you're so engrossed with that whole, maybe it's our binge watching culture, right? Like you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like in that hour, they jammed in such like great plot and great story and, and these characters are people I'm invested in that when you watch a movie like this again, you just sit there and you're like, why the hell did I like this movie? Like there's just so many holes in it and there's so many different reasons not to cheer for this guy. Like, I don't know. I think, it's it's weird. I think part of it too has to um, a lot of the a lot of the movies back then had small budgets and budget movie budgets yeah. were a bigger deal, right? Mm-hmm. And so one thing I did in in some of my research, one thing I read about this movie was originally it was like a like almost a three hour long movie. It was oh, it was wow. there was a ton of like backstory written. Like there was more on Jimmy's past. There was more on. Gene Hackman's past. There was more about, you know, My- Myra's past. So I think a lot of stuff got cut out because it's like, which might have been great writing. Like, I bet you if this was a book, it would be a much better book. You know what that's I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I think a lot of stuff got cut because it wasn't like impactful, maybe for the screen or something. So I think a lot of, and I, I think that happens with a lot of things, right? There's a lot of holes where we're like, wait, like, I have no idea how we got from A to C, right? Where was B? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think sometimes that happens with older movies where they were strapped for budget. This one had a $6 million budget. That's tiny, like, compared to what you see now. Mm-hmm. So that's just a just a theory. Yeah, you're also, I mean, in terms of what they're filming and how they're filming it, like, you think about all those farm scenes alone. Like, right, so it's not really going to be super super crazy you're just waiting on natural light i suppose but anyway yeah that's true all right well let's uh let's jump into our draft so it's as we alluded to at the start of uh the episode it's we're in the middle of march madness lots of stuff going on we got jr and his uh his cues hat so this week's draft is 
the most uh, our most memorable March Madness moments. So most memorable March Madness moments. That's five M's. I should get a bonus point. That's like, is that an alliteration? I do believe. And a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> yeah. Um, Webb, I think you're kicking it off. First pick oh. this week. So one thing I will before I, what was really cool to watch in this movie is you see the field house that Butler plays at as like yeah. the, the final state championship game, and they they're playing games there now, uh, which is really cool and just. The windows are iconic, right, in that field house, so we really need Sweet. to. All right, number one, uh, I mean, this is, we talked about this before we started, and I, I, it's an obvious number one for me, even though I wasn't technically on the planet when it happened. Yeah. How am I not going to pick my guy and my team? So I got my guy, the GOAT, MJ, 1982, game-winning shot over my team, Georgetown, in the national championship game, a young, strapping Patrick Ewing, just sitting there watch, watching Michael Jeffrey Jordan become Air Jordan, uh, or soon to become Air Jordan. But this is basically with the, sh- the shot that puts MJ on the map. So I think for me, I've watched it a thousand plus times. It's definitely my uh, my memorable moment from uh, from March Madness for number one. Got to go with it. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I mean, you knew it was coming. <laughs> that is a fine pick. Well, Webb. Thank you for not sewering me on this one. I appreciate that. I worry the first pick. You are going to be a dink and take this from me. You're welcome. Um, I have to go the obvious 2003 Syracuse national title team Uh led by Jerry McNamara. Maybe Carmelo Anthony might have something to do with it. (laughs) And Akeem Warwick, they might have something to do with it. I'm just saying, no. 2003 uh, Syracuse national title team, the whole run, beating Kansas in the final. Uh, pretty cool. Webb and I were at a Syracuse game once, and we saw Carmelo get his jersey retired. That was pretty neat to see. And really? that was yeah. We were yeah. at the game, and they yeah. retired his jersey that day in Syracuse. They were playing Carolina, I think that day. Yeah, I think it was Carolina. Webb and yeah. we saw Carolina. Carmelo was there, and they retired his jersey. The 2003 team was pretty cool, and it was pretty neat to see. And all those games were pretty awesome. And I don't like Kansas. I don't like the state of Kansas. I don't like Kansas Jayhawks. I don't like Dan you don't like the I don't like any of Kansas. You like I, do the not, I hate Independence School and Last Chance U. All those seasons, Garden no. City, Garden City, you name it, and uh, Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 2003 Q's national title team led by Carmelo Anthony, obviously, not Jerry McNamara. Sorry, Jerry. Nice pick. Solid Jared? pick. Solid pick. Well, I got to go from uh, one of my one of my earlier memories of like. And and just such a cool era for for basketball, I always thought. But I'm t- I'm gonna take it back to the '93 national championship game, with 11 seconds left to go. <laughs> Chris Weber dribbling the ball up floor. Oh, timeout. Down by two points. Unfortunately, they don't have any timeouts left. Tactical foul. North Carolina ends up making it, and they win. Um, so, Chris Weber. Got over it though. I mean, he went first overall in that in the '93 draft, right? I he's believe. doing just fine. Yeah, he's okay. He, but. he went on. He made a fair bit of money, I believe, in his basketball career. I think he's doing all right. But the, there was a funny <laughs> thing about that story. Uh, later that summer, as a joke, Chris Weber's dad bought him a personalized license plate that said "Time Out" on it. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. Oh wow! So obviously, like 
he could have a little bit of a laugh about it. Let's be honest, though. When we watched that, not one of the three of us were actually cheering for them to lose. No. We all wanted them to Every single one. We talked about this before we started. I hate Eric Montross. I just hate him. I hate him. We all wore black Nike checkmark socks right after that. I had like five pairs of them. They were like red and blue. Like you named my swishes. We all have them. Of course we did. We were shorts down. We did everything like that. Yeah. So cool. All right. I got the next pick as well. And this was a really memorable moment, but not for good reasons. I'm taking it back to the 19th or 2013 tournament. I remember that we were having Easter dinner at uh, Jazz's family's place, and uh, her brother Jordan and I were watching the Louisville game. We both got up to get a beer, and when we turned around, it was like dead silent. All the players were crying. Rick Patino had his face buried in, in his hands. And we couldn't; they wouldn't show a replay. So Jordan pulled it up on Twitter, oh. and I nearly puked when he showed me what had happened. It was uh, Kevin Ware's broken leg at the at the thirteenth? Yeah. Oh my God, we're broken yeah. like this. Look like a oh, look like a slinky. Ooh. Ooh. That was a tough one. All right, so back to me. Yep. yep. Okay, so my next one I'm gonna go with is. It's actually for the 1997 tournament as a whole. It's one of those memories I have. It's not anybody in particular, any team in particular. It's a memory I have. So 1997, I do believe, I think I was in the 10th grade or something. I forget. And I had this like 10th grade teacher, a gym teacher, who was like one of those old school gym teachers climbing the ropes. I'm not going to mention his name. This is in PEI. And we had first period in the afternoon class. It was the day of March Madness, the Thursday. And we had, and in the back back room of our gym, we had this like workout gym with one of those old universal weight machines. And he rolled the TV in because he was like Johnny Basketball, <laughs> and he was just watching March Madness and said, "Do what you got to do." So I remember skipping fourth period to watch March Madness in there, and him asking me if I had to be anywhere, and I said, "No, no, I have a spare." But I was only in the tenth grade, and in tenth grade you have no spare. <laughs> but God bless him, I remember him not batting an eye to it. And him never, ever diming me out to my English teacher the next day or about anything. So I remember skipping class in 1997 to watch in fourth period to watch the whole afternoon of March Madness that day and just literally keep the profile. So that was a good moment. I always had in March Madness. Awesome. And, um, I'll not mention names, but thank you. All right. Okay, I'm going to go... Uh, ooh, I'm going to go with the 1996-97 tourney. Uh, and this is what made me fall in love with Georgetown basketball. It's my boy AI rocking the Jordan 11s. He just he became a superstar. I mean, he had had a huge Big East tournament, uh, but he he had like a showing out party. He dropped a couple games. He had like 38, 36. He's just a stud. So I'm gonna go that whole just love him. They lost. They didn't end up going. They lost, and I believe it was the Elite Eight. Um, the UMass. And I just, I, I just, it's what made me fall in love with Allen Iverson. And like I said, Georgetown basketball in general, uh, they had a sick team Othello, Othello Harrington. Like they were, they were so fun to watch. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, last one. I'm going to go with the 2005 Vermont Cattermounts knocking on the 13th. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Knocking off the four, the Syracuse Orange. 
just because I know JR has probably had one locked and loaded, so I'm going <laughs> to drop the hammer on him <laughs> first. <laughs> You're such a dick. I remember watching that game. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Okay, Rep, no problem. Yeah, go ahead, JR. I knew, ahead. I knew it was coming, so I had to get the first shot. So I'm going to turn the clocks back to 1985. Oh, okay. That's good. Not the one I thought you were going to go with. Okay. No, I'm going to go with the 1985 Ed Pigby playing Patrick Ewing and Villanova beating Georgetown to win the national title. If you're going to do that kind of dink news on your part. <laughs> okay. That. The national title game. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one then, Webb. I'm not going the, I'm not going that other round when Otto Porter Jr. lost. I'm going to go with this one. So, you know what? <laughs> that one stings even more because you lost another national title. I They won one. In Syracuse won. Your team lost. So they have anyway. not won a national title while I've been on the planet. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. They did, but I was like two. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, my, with my last pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna take something that I had a good memory of, and this is uh, I'm gonna talk about a Canadian boy here. So I'm take, I'm talking about Steve Nash in the no, nice. tournament, nice. and they had an uh, he, he played for Santa Clara, and they had an upset win over the number two seeded. Arizona Wildcats in the first round. That. Uh, in that game, Nash, who was a freshman at the time, matched up with Damon Stoudemire and scored six straight free throws with the, in the last 30 seconds of the game to seal the win. I remember it was a big deal at the time because he was a Canadian kid and, you know, making a splash at uh, March Madness. You don't see that that often. But I remember TSN did a feature, and they and I remember he talked about how, as a kid, he used to dribble a tennis ball every day. So I started going out and dribbling a tennis ball. And it didn't really work for me. I, I didn't end up uh, didn't end up fulfilling that dream. So, But it was uh, I thought it was a cool thing. Uh, the first time I'd seen Steve Nash, and then, you know, obviously a few years later, he ended up getting drafted in the first round, having a stellar career. Pretty I just cool. remember that being such a cool moment and feeling yeah. like all kinds of, like, crazy proud. Of, like, this, this kid who, like, he just looked like he... he didn't belong there and he yeah. lit them up like he was just so fun to watch right the santa clara broncos what they called yeah that, something yeah, like that was yeah. wicked yeah, yeah absolutely great times oh uh, and like we left off so many people like right now all the hoop heads are gonna be like how do you not oh, talk about these bryce so on, uh, yeah bryce drew valpo the flintstones what else did i have simon says for jr christian simon Lake says championship baby christian Lake i hate jr <laughs> JR's ninety two buzzer beater. I had I had a couple shut up. I had a couple of uh God Sham God. Some of the names God too. Remember God Sham God? Speedy yeah. Claxton. Speedy yeah. Claxton. I like those names. Khalid Alameen. Khalid Alameen in Yukon, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had in nineteen ninety back in the day, Derek Coleman. You could get a free at Pizza Hut in America. I was down there for a March oh, break. Yeah. You could get a free Rawlings basketball at Pizza Hut if you paid like five bucks and was like a Derek Coleman autograph print or something. I'm sure it broke all sorts of booster things. Anyway, those <laughs> ones I had. Marcus Camby, UMass, too. Uh, he was a stud in the tournament. Yeah. Magic in the 79 championship. Oh, yeah. Recent ones, too, right? Like Loyola a couple of years ago with Sister Jean, and they're making another run again, so good on them. Uh, who else? JR, you mentioned Florida Gulf Coast and Lob City over the Gulf Coast. Wow. Well, over the two. West Virginia. Remember they had Kevin Pitts no goal? Yeah. <laughs> all these games and all. Oh, my God. Speaking of Loyola, um, you remember, um, did you guys ever watch the Guru of Go, the 30 for 30 episode? Yes. 
Yeah. No. I didn't so it was it. about it was about the 1990 tournament. It was a uh, Loyola Marymount. Um, yeah. And they, they played like full court press basically all game. But they had two guys. They had Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers. But Hank Gathers ended up dying of a heart attack like later in the season. And the Loyola made the tournament. And in the very first free throw that they had in the tournament, Bo Kimball, who was right-handed, took his first free throw with his left hand, left hand in, yeah. in tribute to Hank Gathers, who was left-handed, as, a, as kind of a nod. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Very cool. I was saying other recent ones, just even a couple of years ago, Duke Villanova, the national championship game, that was unreal. Duke Butler, right? What was that? Gordon Hayward, 2010, misses one off the back, backboard iron. Like, yeah. uh, and they had that such a great run. Like, basically, that run got Brad Stevens' NBA job. Yeah. Crazy. Awesome. Gotta love March Madness. Absolutely. Tell them where to hit us up, Webb. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening, engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter, at Big League Flicks, on Instagram, at Big League Flicks Pod. You can check us out on YouTube and on TikTok. And, Jamer, are we going to tease uh, next week or what? Yeah, we're going to start putting some stuff out. Uh, we'll, we'll start putting some stuff out right away. We want to get some feedback on what movies you guys want us to do. So we'll we'll do a few days where we're going to be asking everybody to get back to us. We'll put a bunch of stuff out on our social media. And then we'll take the top four uh, suggestions that come forward. We'll put it into a Twitter poll. And then we'll pick the top one from there. And that's what we'll do next week as our movie. So Caniacs and all our friends in uh, Norton, Texas. And uh, yeah. where else we got in... in uh... Laval. Twitter, Laval, where else? Where, is it? where are our friends out west again? Medicine uh, Hat, the Hatties. Medicine Hat, baby. Medicine we, hat. Yeah, we've got we've got lots of lots of good fans down in San Francisco and Dallas and different places as well. Um, Massachusetts, uh, Ontario, lots of, obviously. So, but yeah, uh, we'll put some stuff out there and let us know what you want us to do, and we'll do it up. Sounds good. All right, All right. Take, take care. Take care, right, guys. Bye. See you, everybody. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan, Christian, and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan, Christian, and Jammer!